Well, hey, everybody, let's give God some praise for Christmas tonight. Yeah, so much to be thankful for. Merry Christmas. We're one church in two locations. And so want to say hello to everybody in Knoxville. And man, I love the Christmas season. And man, I'm just a kid at heart. I love a good Christmas gift. And so I remember the greatest gift of all time in my life, the greatest Christmas present I ever had. And I got to go back to the late 80s, right? And so if you're a late 80s kid like me, you can kind of resonate with this. But at that time, we didn't have like Xboxes and Playstations and, and cell phones that had games on it. You had to go to an arcade. And for me, that meant riding my bike to a gas station <laughs> that had one arcade game uh, called Mario Brothers. Any Mario Brothers fans out there in the house? Yeah. So that was a game changer for me, changed my life. And so I would spend hours digging through the, the couch cushions, trying to find loose change. And I'd go into my parents' you know, bedroom and kind of scrounge all the loose change I could find in there until I had enough to ride my bike to the gas station so that I could be there for a really long time to play Mario Brothers. And then in 1985, something happened, and that was the Nintendo was put on the market. And that was a game changer. We've got some people that appreciate that. And so uh, that year, I didn't get one. I begged, I pleaded, I wanted, I didn't get. The next year came around, a lot of my friends were getting them. I still didn't get it. But the blessed year of 1987 rolled around. And I saw that Christmas morning, the box, which could have been, looked like, should have been, I think it is, maybe don't get your hopes up too much, a box that represented it could have been a Nintendo. And I couldn't wait. And in our house, you always saved the best one for the last one. Amen. That's what, what you got to do. And in that moment, I opened up that gift and my mom captured the moment and I finally got my Nintendo. Here it is right there. <laughs> Rocking the Christmas sweater. My sister Tracy enjoying my big moment. Brother Todd, not so interested. Just kind of checking out his present. But that was it for me. That was the greatest Christmas present of all time, even to this day, nothing has topped it. And I just think back on that day and I think about what we come to in, in this season every year. Let me take this off before you make fun of me anymore. The, the, the idea at this time of year is, is always, hey, Jesus is the greatest gift, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the greatest gift we could ever receive. And we hear that and maybe, you know, you've heard the story and so many of us, you know, might even believe that, but there's a piece of you that might be here tonight that would just say, you know what, I just, I'm, I don't understand why he is. Or I, I just, I just, you know, I believe, I know, but at the same time, I, I haven't really enjoyed him as a gift. I haven't really, really understood what it really means for, for him to be a great gift to me. And tonight I want to I want to spend a little bit of our time tonight talking about why Jesus is the greatest gift. And in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, uh, which was written several hundred years uh, before the New Testament, um, and, and in particular, there were 300, at least uh, 300 prophecies about a coming Messiah. And in the book of Isaiah, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah 9. There, there's one verse that I want to focus on, and, and the prophet Isaiah 700 years before uh, Jesus is actually born, he gives us the names of Jesus. And these aren't just names. These are ways in which Jesus is, 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 is a, we are experiencing Jesus. It's ways that Jesus is working in our life. 
And so as we read Isaiah 9-6, we're going to see tonight why Jesus really is the greatest gift we've ever received. Let's read it together. It says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four names given, but not just names. These are ways in which we know Christ. These are ways in which we are experiencing him. And so when it says that the government is on his shoulder, it means that he has all authority over every kingdom, every over, over every government, which should give us a lot of hope today considering how really, uh, it, really the, the, the outlook on the future of just government in our country and really kind of the world looks right now. It's a little bleak, but, but when we see that, we can rest assured that God is in control. The Lord Jesus himself is in control of all things. And so we learn these four names and how he actually works in our life. And the first name or the, the, the first way that we know him is that he's a wonderful counselor, right? Which means, if you want to jot some notes down tonight, is that Jesus is your wise counselor who provides direction. He's a wise counselor that provides direction. We all need direction in our life. We need the wise counsel of God in our life. And, and, and every single one of us are gonna be asking questions and, and, and we don't have it all figured out. And so we're, we're trying to navigate this life and we're trying to figure out who do I marry and what school do I go to? What job do I take and where do I live and how do I conduct myself? And all of the decisions of life that we make every day, we need wise counsel in our life. Before cell phones, you know, you, you had to actually use a map to figure out directions, you know? And if you didn't, you know, know how to get there, or you got lost, you had to, you know, do this dreaded thing. You had to pull over and ask for help. You had to ask for directions, which every man hated. We would rather drive around for six hours, you know, wasting time trying to figure it out than, than ask for help. And, and the reason is because men just kind of tend to have this tendency that they don't want to ask for advice. They don't want to ask for help. And we have this kind of desire to figure it out on our own. But the reality is because we are flawed human beings, we're going to need help figuring things out. And in, in, if you're married, uh, that's one of the most challenging things you'll ever do in your life is have a healthy marriage. You're going to need marriage counseling and help along the way. Uh, if you have kids, that is going to be the most challenging thing you've ever done. And so you're going to need parenting advice. You're going to need money advice. You're going to need uh, all kinds of advice in your life. And so the question is, who are you going to turn to for that advice? Who are you going to turn to with the deeper questions about the spiritual things in life, like heaven, like purpose, and, and, and how, how do we really experience meaning in life? How do we make our life count? You see, you need a wise counselor, a wise counselor who always provides the right direction for your life. You're going to feel lost. You're going to get lost from time to time in this journey that we call life. But when you go to God for help, for advice, he will provide it. He will give it. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1, teaches us that Jesus is actually the wisdom of God, which means he's an advisor, a teacher, a mentor, a confidant, a friend. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
when you're seeking uh, direction in your life, you're all stirred up and anxious and nervous and we go to Christ and in him we find rest for our soul. We find uh, rest for our bodies mentally and even physically. And so some of you are looking for answers. You're, you're seeking, you're trying to find answers. A lot of you are turning to uh, a lot of other people outside of God for help. People who don't really have a clue and we lean into them for help. We're, we're watching TikTok to get the latest motivation in life. And, and we've got to be extremely careful because we do know that we need help and direction, but who do we turn to? I love what the Bible says in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, which is exactly what our culture tells us to do. Lean on your own understanding. Do what you feel is right. Do what you, know, you feel like is right for you. And, and the lie is that you're gonna find joy if you trust your own heart. But what the world sells, it's never gonna be able to back up because it's not true. When you trust in your own heart, I know from my, speaking from my own life, if I trust in my own strength, if I trust in my own heart, it usually causes a, a lot of pain in my life. It usually causes pain in other people's lives. But when I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and I don't lean in what I think is right or what I want to do, and I lean in to his ways and I acknowledge him in his direction, then he makes my path straight. That means he gives me direction in my life. It doesn't mean it's always perfect and everything is wonderful. There's still trials and, 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 and some trouble along the way, but he's, he's, he's moving me in the direction that he wants me to go, ultimately for my good. And so the only way that we get there though is if we trust in that wise counsel. The second name that is given to Christ is a mighty God. And so you might write this down. Jesus is your wise counselor who provides direction. Let's go to number two. Sorry, I went backwards. Number two, Jesus is your powerful defender who defeats evil. So being an almighty God means that he's gonna uh, be a defender for you and fight for you on your behalf. And he's going to and has, in fact, already defeated evil. This is an incredible statement. This is a title that really affirms the deity of Christ. It says in the text that a child is born, but a son is given. That's a clear distinction because the son was not born. The son was given. And what that means is the son, Jesus Christ himself, has existed for all eternity. He wasn't created. He isn't just like God. He is and, and, and was and always has been God. So this affirms the deity of Christ. And he comes in the form of a child. The Hebrew word for mighty is the word gabor. And it means uh, always in reference to a warrior, that this warrior is strong and mighty. And I love that because it's depicting the bravery and courage and warrior-like mentality that Jesus had when he came into this World. Some of you have this image of Jesus being this blonde-haired, soft, wet noodle. That was not who Jesus was. I mean, he was a rugged warrior, brave. He was a construction worker, man. He, he was a man's man that was on a mission. And the mission was to win your salvation. And he did that by dying on the cross. He is a mighty God indeed, a mighty God who would come in the form of a man and wage war against sin and death and win victory for you and I. He's a mighty God 
who stands in heaven today waiting for the perfect time to come back for his people. Yeah, he's a mighty God. You know, sometimes as human beings, we, we tend to uh, very easily get focused on the problems in our life. And it's very easy for us to not see the mighty power of God working on our behalf. And sometimes it's so easy for us just to complain and to get frustrated with all the things that are wrong. And we miss the mighty God working on our behalf. It happened for the Israelite people in the Old Testament. They, they just escaped, you know, uh, slavery and, and uh, the, the Red Sea is split. Miracle, pillar of fire giving them light and uh, God is providing food for them from, from heaven. Miracles all the time. And what are they doing? They're complaining they're complaining that they, you know, they're lost or they'd rather go back to slavery. They don't have enough to drink. And they just complain the whole time. And it's easy for us to make fun of them. But then again, we look at our life and we do the same thing. We complain about all of these things and we miss the mighty hand of God that is working on our behalf. And I want to remind you tonight, this Christmas, that God is doing things on your behalf that you don't even understand right now. This mighty God is still healing relationships in your life. He's still bringing victory in your life. He's doing things and working in ways. He's moving mountains right now on your behalf. He's opening doors of opportunity that you don't even know about right now. And so we can trust and we can lean into this reality that our mighty God, Jesus Christ, is working on our behalf. In fact, help me preach today. Tell the person next to you, say, God's still working in your life. Tell them, help me tonight. They need it. God is still working miracles in our life. I love uh, how the Bible describes this in Psalm 60, 68. It says, awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Where do you get your strength from? Where do you get your direction from? Where do you get your power from to get up and face the challenges and to keep moving forward despite the things that you're facing? God himself is the one that gives you power and strength. I love what the scripture says in Ephesians 3. Now to him, God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What does this mean? This means that whatever we're asking and hoping for that God's gonna do, he can and wants to do far more than anything that you've ever hoped for or dreamed about. He wants to do far more abundantly in your life than you're giving him credit for. He's working on your behalf. And this is according to his power, by the way, not yours. His power is infinite. His resources are infinite, right? And so when we talk about God providing for us, he's not like, he, he's not worried about interest rates, by the way. He's not worried about debt. It is an endless amount of power, strength, and resources that he has for us. And we can trust it. We can lean on. We serve a, a mighty God that is working on our behalf. The next statement, the next name is that he is an everlasting father. And so what that means for us is that Jesus is your consistent father who showers you with love. I love it. This is who God is to you. This is who Christ is to us. He's a loving father. He's, he's a, it's not just what he does, it's who he is. And he is a consistent father in your life, always acting as a father to you. He's always present. He's never too busy. He's never preoccupied or disinterested in what's happening in your life 
And what you're talking about, what you're praying about, what you're dealing with, he's a loving, consistent father who always showers you with love. Now, at this point, a lot of people maybe have a, a, a mixed emotions because your dad uh, in your own life wasn't around. And sometimes when our earthly father messes up or is preoccupied and doesn't give us the love that, that we need or, or hurts us in some way, sometimes our view of, of our heavenly father is skewed a little bit. And so what we have to realize is that our earthly fathers, they're all imperfect. No matter how good or, or, or great you think your dad is, of course he's imperfect. He's going to mess up. He's going to make mistakes uh, uh, along the way in your life. And, and every father will. But we can trust in the reality that Jesus, in fact, is our perfect, everlasting father. And no matter how bad your father was or wasn't around, you have a dad that loves you. You have a heavenly father who has never let you down, who will never let you down. His love is always available. His love is infinitely in your life. And he proves that love by sacrificing himself on the cross for you and me. Uh, I love what Matthew 7 talks about. Jesus is, he's, he's explaining prayer. And, and he says uh, this, he says, uh, uh, which one of you, if he has a son and the son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? And he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And his point is this, heavenly father versus earthly father. If an earthly father can hear one of his children say that they're hungry and need bread and give them bread, our earthly fathers know how to give us good gifts. They're not going to give us a rock when we're hungry. You're about to give some really good gifts to your kids tonight or tomorrow. And, and the reality Jesus is talking about is if you, an evil person, because we're flawed and sinful, if you can give a good gift to your kids, how much more could a perfect heavenly father give good gifts to his children? Puts it into perspective. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to bless you. He's for you. And so Isaiah calls him an everlasting father. And then finally, the, the fourth name here is that he is a prince of peace. This is huge. I love it. Here's what it means. It means that Jesus is your provider of peace who comforts the suffering. He's a provider of peace who comforts those who suffer. You see, I don't care if you're a follower of Jesus or you've never been to church in your life, you're gonna experience suffering in your life. I don't care who you are, or what your background is, your, your DNA, your soul, uh, you are uh, craving peace, peace of mind, right? You want peace in your heart. In Luke chapter two, verse 14, the angels sang to the shepherds of one who would bring peace on earth. So what kind of peace is Jesus offering to you? And the first thing he gives to us is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says that we have been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is you are an enemy of God because of your sin, because of my sin. And so we don't have a relationship with God when we're born. There's gotta be a moment in our life when we come to faith in Christ and when that faith is real, then our relationship with God is redeemed. 
and then we're able to enjoy forgiveness. We're able to enjoy peace with God until we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. We don't have peace with God. And every year at this time, you've probably heard the story. You know about Jesus. You've heard the, about the cross. But for some of you, you just hear it and you don't do anything with it. You don't search and seek on your own. You just think it's a fairy tale and it's just a good story that we have to sit through every Christmas. But what if it's real? What if God is speaking tonight and wants to change your heart tonight? What if God is working on your behalf in such a way and, 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 and tonight is one of those nights that he begins to get your attention? What, what if I, think of it like this, what, what if you bought me a gift and I put it under my Christmas tree and six months from now, you know, it's summer, and you come over to my house and you see the gift that you gave me still sitting under the tree. Well, you'd think that's pretty weird, right? And so you'd be like, hey, how, what about the gift? You know, did you like the gift? And like, oh, I love the gift. I just haven't had time to open it yet, but thank you for it. I mean, every single one of you would think, Trent's a pretty weird dude for doing that. That's not, that's not right, right? But every year we hear the story that Jesus is this great gift, but we don't unwrap the gift. We don't take advantage of the gift that God offers to us. Some of you aren't taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given to you. And maybe tonight is that night that you would just begin to change that focus and outlook and begin to take advantage of them and, and say yes to the direction that he has given to you in your life. So we get peace with God, but then next we get peace with others. And this is a great one. I mean, we all have relationships that are, you know, at odds from time to time. And this time of year is no different. You're going to go hang out with some family members that you may or may not like tonight or tomorrow, right? And you might be sitting by them right now. Don't give any looks. But what do, how do we solve some of the tension in these relationships? But when we come to know Christ by faith, what he does is he begins to give us the desire to forgive people that hurt us. And some people think, I could never forgive this person. You don't know what they did to me. And I get it. I understand it. We've all been hurt. And some of you have been hurt really bad. But when you are in a relationship with God and you are not forgiving someone, the person that is hurt is you. You're the one that doesn't know peace. You're the one whose soul is restless. You're the one that experienced bitterness and high blood pressure and a rise in cortisol in your, in your body that causes health problems. You're the one that suffers. And so in a relationship with Christ, he gives us the grace of God to be able to have the the, the, the grace to forgive others that have hurt us. And that gives us peace, peace with them, peace sometimes with ourselves. Some of you have a rough past and, and you've gone through and done a lot of things. And, and so for you, it's harboring this guilt and shame in your life. And, and you just kind of struggle with that guilt and shame. You carry it with you. And same is true with someone who doesn't forgive someone else. That unforgiveness of your own past harms your health and your spiritual life today. When we know Christ, when we're growing in that relationship, we learn how to have the grace to forgive ourselves and, and to have peace with our past. It's what Christ gives to us, peace with others, peace with ourselves. And then finally, we get peace in the midst of suffering. You see, when we read the Christmas story, the angel says his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us, God is near. And what Christ wants you to know this Christmas is that he understands what it feels like to suffer. He understands what it feels like to have a heavy heart. He understands what it feels like to be mistreated and to, to be hurt and to feel 
loss. And so you're not alone. He, he can empathize and recognize that same emotion and feeling. And God says, when you go through that season of suffering, though, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his promise is that he's going to be with you, that he is near, and that he is strengthening you through the process. We have a, a, a couple who wrote a letter to me and kind of shared their story that I wanted to share with you tonight. They actually live in Florida, and they've been a part of Foothills Church online and tuning in for over a year now. And, and so uh, she wrote a letter, and I wanted to, to share it with you today. She, she gave me permission to do so. And so uh, here's what her letter said. She said, Pastor Trent, I'm writing old school, I know. She actually wrote in cursive on paper, right? People don't do that very much anymore, but I thought it was beautiful. And of course, I can't read cursive, so I wrote it down. Just kidding, I can. Anyway, I'm writing to say thank you from deep in my soul for your message series that'll leave a mark, sermon series we did a few months ago. You have no way of knowing how timely these messages have been and how very helpful for my husband and me. We recently retired from our professions and have been waiting and looking forward to moving from Florida and building our home in Tennessee. We found Foothills Church one day while visiting the area and have been attending online for over a year now. Although we attend online right now, we feel like we belong, that this is home and welcomed, and that's why I feel comfortable writing. This is our recent story. Six months ago, we sold our home in Florida, packed everything and put it into storage until our house is completed in the summer of 23. We set out in our fifth wheel to travel and see this beautiful country, stopping along the way to visit family and friends. Things were good until four months when my husband started to feel off. And this is when the bottom fell out. We came back to Florida to his doctor where he was diagnosed with high blood pressure, prostate cancer, and out of control undetected diabetes. He's now, <clears throat> he now has level seven pain neuropathy and walks very slowly with a cane. Why have I told you our story? We, me especially, have been allowing our situation to leave a very ugly mark. We've been angry, resentful, doubtful, and anxious. But each week your message has spoken to our hearts and the Holy Spirit has used you in our lives. Nothing in our situation has changed. Yet, as we sat on the couch, in our hotel room. You had people come to the front to surrender their anxiety. Gary and I held our hands high, lifted them up together and we prayed. We gave everything up to the Lord. Our unknown future, our doubts, our fears and all our anxiety. We are confident Jesus sees us and hasn't forgotten us. Not every day is easy. But as I reread my notes in my journal, my prayer is that the mark that this situation leaves is one of deep trust in a God who loves us no matter what, that we will come out on the other side refined and that the mark will be one of beauty out of ashes. Thank you, God, for, for Foothills Church. And thank you, God, gratefully, Sherry. What a great story. Hey, can we encourage Sherry and Gary tonight? They may be watching online. We appreciate you guys. We love you. You see, sometimes in our life, we have to go through 
the suffering. And the suffering is, is, is one of those weird kind of moments in our life that we wish away, right? We don't want to go through this. God, take it away, take it away. But you see, this is how God grows us. This is how God shows off in our life his power and his glory. Right? Through the suffering, he becomes the prince of peace in our life, if you allow him to. And for some of you, that's been kind of the big issue in your life that has prevented you from coming to faith in Jesus. Because in your life, the suffering has led you away from God, perhaps. It's caused you to doubt him. And if you and I were just sitting at my kitchen table over coffee and I could look you in the eyes and you shared your story of pain, you know, I, I would look at you and I would say, you know what? I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry that life has felt so confusing and there's been so much pain. And I'm sorry that you feel like God isn't there, but I would encourage you and I would say this, I would say the brokenness that you have experienced is not because God doesn't care. It's not because God isn't near. It's because we live in a broken world. You see, the first two people that God created messed it all up. They, they committed the first sin and when that happened, the, 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 the curse of the world was, was, was real and messed everything up. It broke the world. Now sin is alive and well. We're born with that sin nature. And because of that brokenness, because it broke all things, we try to cover that brokenness up. We try to fix that brokenness. And we might try to fix that brokenness by drowning it out with alcohol or drugs. It doesn't work. We try to replace that brokenness with relationships and you never find somebody that can remove that feeling. We try to drown it out with success and if we could be successful, but that doesn't fix the brokenness either. The great news is God didn't want us to stay broken. That's why a son was given to live with us. Jesus dies on a cross, rose from the grave and proved that he was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and prince of peace for each and every one of us. And if you believe in Jesus, if you put your faith in the son of God, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he redeems that relationship between you and God the Father. All of the brokenness in your life is then healed. And then you begin this journey of, of discovering more and more depth and, and more and more of the healing power and grace of Jesus that begins to show you how his love is healing and redeeming and reconciling all the broken gaps and pieces that are part and have been a part of your life. And so the journey is experiencing that healing and you're trusting in him and you're growing in him and you're learning. And some of you come in here today and you think, man, Christians are the problem. We think, well, the Bible is just a bunch of stories that aren't true and, and, and it just got filled with flaws. And, 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 and maybe that's been your attitude, but, but I, would, I would just challenge you today. Don't listen to... Don't listen to TikTok. Don't listen to your professors. Go to the scripture yourself. And just with an open heart, say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Give it time. Be sincere. And at the end of that, if you think, oh, it's just made up, then okay. But if you seek the Lord truly, I would, would pray 
And I would hope that he would begin to open up your eyes to the truth of what he's been trying to do in your heart for years, for years. But so often we get distracted. So often we miss how God is trying to get our attention. 2000 years ago, God was getting our attention by giving us Jesus at that first Christmas. When my kids were little, we used to wrestle and I would love wrestling with them and throw them around and you know, they would, they, they would love it. And it was always kind of that, that fine line between fun wrestle and fight club <laughs> where somebody would, would get hurt. And my wife was always good. She, she would watch the whole scene and, and as it was escalating and escalating and escalating, you know, getting too far, you know, violating Micah's compliance, you know, rules of engagement, she would say, Trent, Trent, relax, chill out, calm it down. And if I let, if, if I gave her my attention and I, I trusted her, then we would slow it down and everybody would be okay. But oftentimes I would keep going and then you know how it is when you wrestle. Finally, somebody gets hurt and cries and then you quit and the night's ruined. If I would just listen to my wife more, right? Reality is God is trying to get some of your attention. He's trying to, whoo, hey, what you're about to do is, is hurting you. And if you would just, if you would, if you would go my direction, you're gonna experience peace and joy. You're, you're gonna experience purpose. If you go and ignore my direction and you keep going in your direction, it's gonna lead to brokenness and pain and it's gonna lead to a, a lot of emptiness. And we see it in the Bible over and over again as, as God teaches his people and as God, God encourages us to, to go his direction, his wise counsel. And I just wonder if some of you are just, just kind of that person that's just been ignoring the direction of God and ignoring all the different situations that are going on in your life as, as, as just coincidence or just problems that you're complaining about instead of a holy God that is trying to wake you up. Get your attention tonight. And maybe tonight something's different. Maybe tonight you're beginning to realize and recognize that God is working on your behalf. And maybe tonight is the night that you would, you would experience Jesus as the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. I wanna ask you to bow your heads and I wanna encourage those who would say, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I would feel like tonight is a night that I need to do that. Some of you have doubted or some of you have questioned and this isn't a magical prayer. It's just a, simply a commitment. It's kind of like a nailing it down. It's kind of like a, a declaration that, that this is what you desire and then God hears your prayer. And so just simply say these words. In, in your own words, just, just say, God, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Tonight, I believe that he died on the cross to pay for my sins confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me come into my life save me from this moment on I dedicate my life to you Jesus I believe that some of you just prayed and meant that prayer I'm not going to ask you to do anything tonight but I'd love to know who you are and just 
by a show of hands, if you just throw your hand up and put it back down. How, how many of you, anybody at all in here, say, I, I just prayed that prayer and I meant it. Anybody at all, throw your hand up, put it down. Anybody at all? Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Thank you, young man. Anybody else? Just throw it up, put it down. See a few hands. It's the greatest gift you will ever receive. And if that is a decision that you made, use your phone to scan the QR code in front of you and hit the button that said, I, I made a decision. I'd love to know who you are. I'd love to help resource you on this journey. Hey church, I, I saw some people who made this decision and so we need to celebrate them. Can we celebrate them as a church? We're proud of you. Grateful. Christmas makes sense when we know who Jesus is and we trust in him. And as we close tonight, we're gonna close by lighting some candles and singing one of my favorite, favorite Christmas hymns. And um, as we light these candles, what it means for us is Jesus calls himself the light of the world. So we're reminded that in the darkness of this life, Jesus is the light that gives us hope. And so after I pray, our uh, leaders are gonna be uh, lighting the candles on the end. If you'll just pass that down, we'll have a special time to close. Let me pray and ask God's blessing upon our time. Father God, thank you for each and every single person here tonight, Lord. You know their story. You know what they're going through. You know the joys in their life, the struggles in their life. God, I pray that you would be real to them tonight. Lord, I pray that you would minister to their heart. God, I pray that you would show yourself to them that tonight we would truly be able to focus on the greatest gift, which is Jesus in our lives. As we celebrate with gifts and family and food, may there be an anchor to our heart and soul that knows and understands that it's all about you, Jesus. And so we rest and hope in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.